and welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sandon. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we'll be unpacking some South Asian traditions and rituals, which many of us partake in, but don't always fully understand the deeper meaning behind why. Um, but before that, Robbie, we're back in person. I know, this feels really weird. I know, but I'm excited. It's good to see <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly, it's good to see you too. How have you, I mean, obviously we've still been in touch throughout mm. lockdown, but I feel like that's been a bit more admin stuff with the yeah. podcast. We haven't really caught up as friends in a while. I, d- I don't know if a mm. podcast is the best place to be debriefing, uh, <laughs> but how was lockdown? What are the main kind of takeaways and, um, and reflections for yeah, you? Yeah, look, I think much like most people... Lockdown wasn't great, um, but I'm grateful because I don't live alone. I have my family. We have a dog. So, you know, it wasn't as bad as other people had had it. Um, But I'm a pretty extroverted person and I get my energy from seeing people. Mm. And I think that was the thing that I missed the most, Mm. like having a social life and seeing people outside. Yeah. What was the biggest challenge besides that? Because I guess everyone can sort of relate to missing seeing people. Yeah. Uh, what else did you find kind of difficult? I don't know. Maybe the Zoom fatigue. Mm. I mean, I think some people could resonate with that, but I really got Zoom fatigue because I like sit in work meetings all day. Yeah. And then I was just so done with like talking to people over Zoom after that. Mm. So yeah, maybe that. I think that was the main thing. For so me. have you got like heaps of things lined up now post lockdown? Yeah. I've actually like putting things in my Google calendar, which is like, oh, been I forgot so long. No, no. But <laughs> it's nice to actually be able to do stuff. How about you? How was lockdown for you? I think for me, I treated lockdown a bit like life was on pause. Like, mm. it, like obviously it wasn't, but I, I sort of fell into the trap of neglecting things that I wouldn't normally have neglected. Like yeah. what? Like like things I need to figure out career-wise. Um, I don't think I dedicated enough time to expanding my mind, uh, bad mm. sleep habits. Uh, I think, I mean, I think, I think it all just comes down to how I spent my time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and just taking steps which I needed to but hadn't because I had the excuse with lockdown not to. Is it because there's so, you feel like there's almost like so much time because you're not doing, like you're at home all day, every day. Does it feel like because there's an abundance of time that you just push things away or is it like this pandemic is here so we just pause everything else? No, because I don't think there was uh, an abundance of time with um, Mm -hmm. with full-time work and podcasting. I just think that the time or the little free time that I did have, I should have invested a little bit better. Yeah, but I think that's also, like, fair enough because, I mean, we were going through a pandemic. So I feel like people almost put too much pressure on themselves to be, like, super productive and do a lot. Whereas, like, I think it's okay to just sit and watch trashy TV just to get your mind off what's actually happening. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a balance, right? And for me, that balance wasn't there. Yeah, okay. You know, I was just living between two laptops. Mm. So, you know, it's something for me to work on post-lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know how some podcasts start by bantering a bit before they dive into mm. the topic? Do you like that kind of style or do you prefer when people just jump straight into it? I like the chit-chats. I listen to Shameless podcasts a lot and they do some chit-chatting at the beginning before mm. they dive into their topics for when they do some of their episodes. So I think it works. Yeah. That's because, 
yeah, I think this is the first time we've had a bit of a chat before starting an actual topic. Yeah, it has. But now let's get into the actual episode. Um, nice segue. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so as you guys know, in this episode, we wanted to unpack some of the day-to-day traditions in South Asian culture that so many of us partake in, but we don't really know why we do those things. And we mm. put a shout out on our Instagram for you guys to share rituals and traditions that you love as well as what you'd like to understand a little bit more. Um, And we got so many messages and a lot of them were very similar as well. So it seems like there are some common themes Mm. that people don't quite understand. Um, So we've done a bit of research and hopefully we can help unpack today as to, you know, really the why behind why we do them. Yeah, for sure. I guess the idea kind of came about from conversations we've had with our friends where sometimes we don't have the answers as to why we do what we do. Mm. Um, like recently we were planning what we do post lockdown and yeah. um, one of our friends mentioned that they needed to be vegetarian that day. Um, and when we asked why they were like, uh, yeah. I don't know. My mom told me to, I need to do it. So yeah. I'm just going to do it. And uh, it's things like that. Right. Mm. Um, and the idea also came about from conversations we've had with our guests during our episode recordings, mm. which kind of, you know, help us appreciate and think more deeply about the day-to-day things from our culture, which we don't always think too much into. Mm. Um, Things like the bindi bosses explaining the significance of wearing a bindi, right? And they have that explanation as to why we have so many gods in South Mm. Asia. And uh, another really big inspiration for this topic was our guest from episode 14 on Passing Heritage Forward, Mm -hmm. um, Lakshmi Akka, who founded the Heritage Supply Co., which make um, educational toys and and resources in South Asian languages. Yeah, uh, it was just you know just the way that she explained some of our traditions in that episode was really beautiful and yeah. just more thoughtful than how Romy and I had looked at those yeah. things. And and actually, she's been doing these really dope Wisdom Wednesdays on her Instagram, um, where she talks about the significance of things like. Uh, why we touch the feet of our elders to seek their blessings mm. and the meaning behind Namaskaram. Uh, so so make sure you go over there to the Heritage Supply Co. Instagram page to check all of that out. Definitely. Um, but yeah, that being said, we thought Lakshmi Akka would be the perfect person to pick their brain for an episode like this. So we gave her a quick call when we were planning the episode and here's a quick snippet from that conversation. Hey, Lakshmiak, how's it going? Hey, Sainten, how's it going? I'm good. Sorry to call you out of the blue. Is this a good time for a quick chat? No worries. Yeah, this is actually really great. I'm right in between two calls, so this is perfect timing. Oh, awesome. Um, I need to tell you that I'm recording the conversation uh, for the podcast, so I'm sorry to put you on the spot. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Basically, we have an idea for an episode coming up where we take, um, I think it'll probably be like a recurring episode, but we'll take kind of day-to-day things from our culture that we kind of do, but don't really think too much into why we do them um, and kind of unpack, you know, the the significance of those things that we do sometimes take for granted because we're kind of planning the episode now. We thought, yeah, you'd be the perfect person to run this idea by and see what you think. Uh, because of, you know, the Wisdom Wednesday stuff that you're doing on Instagram and um, the conversations that we had when we were recording uh, a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'd be happy to. Um, So I guess if you were to tackle an episode like this, do you have anything in mind in terms of like how we should kind of structure an episode to make this like more most impactful for 
our listeners? Yeah. First of all, I, th- I think it's such a fabulous idea, and I'm so glad you and Romy are doing this episode because it's actually a really intriguing and fascinating topic. I think uh, at least I'm seeing more and more of our generation, and definitely with my kids, they're questioning everything about yeah. what we to do, and we want to know why we want to do it, right? If we want to make preserving culture and passing it on um, actionable, then I think we need to understand why we observe various rituals and customs. We want to understand the value and the rationale behind the various cultural practices that we've been taught. Yeah. And you're right, they've actually been trying to do something similar on the Heritage Supply Co. Instagram and Facebook accounts um, with these Wisdom Wednesday posts. I just feel like we have this trove of knowledge, right, that the yeah. ancient have put down into various texts and it touches upon like health practices, governance, economics, personal well-being, the planet, mm. science, everything, right? And then ultimately, it's like this deeper search for the truth. Yeah, I think, I mean, for Romy and my experience throughout the whole podcasting thing has been, it's helped us having these conversations think about things more deeply and appreciate them on a level that we hadn't given before. Um, totally. It makes sense. I mean... It's, it's thousands and thousands of years of knowledge, right? And it's some deep stuff. Like, these guys have discovered things and written about things like the planets and the structure of the solar system, stuff yeah. that it's taken thousands of years for Western science to develop the technology to go and scientifically rediscover this stuff. So it's natural that it's been lost, and it's perfectly normal that we've forgotten all of this over time. But I think it's an incredible opportunity for us to, like, resurrect these nuggets mm. of wisdom and find ways to apply these, you know, in every imaginable way of our lives. Um, So going back to your question, saying that I think when we think about customs and rituals, there's three ways primarily that I would would explain these and look at these. So typically there's always a cultural element, then there'll always be a spiritual or philosophical element, and then Mm. finally the scientific element. But of course there's also always... Um, sorry, not always, but often there'll be an economic or a practical element to it. So yeah. when we talk about the cultural element, what I'm thinking is that, you know, this is what helps establish common values in a community. For human evolution and our ability to survive was the ability to create culture and mm. culture us to establish value systems that set moral and ethical codes. It helped us to nurture personal and character development and so it's about individual development, but also creating this cohesive community, which allowed us to band together and move and evolve and, and survive. So the cultural element, um, when we look at rituals, is super important. Yeah. Um, the second thing I would say is the spiritual or the philosophical element behind all our customs and rituals. It helps us to remember that our words and our actions matter because of that interconnectedness with life and beings. So, for example, when we say manikam, you know, we're not only acknowledging the divinity within others, but we're acknowledging the divinity within ourselves. Mm. So, the other thing I want to talk about is the parallels between philosophy and science. It'll blow your mind away. And this is the third way I would say it's important for us to look at rituals and customs, because they can be explained either through physics, metaphysics, or quantum physics. It can be explained possibly through the cosmos, medicine or general well-being so yeah so it's like the science the cultural element and then there's always going to be a spiritual or philosophical element to um, explaining why we do what we do culturally 
But that said, there's always going to uh, be an economic element to it. Or I should say not always, but in some cases, customs and rituals can be justified by or originate from an economic or practical need. So just to give you a, a quick example, you know, we're raised to not eat beef. I know we all don't practice that, but mm. not to eat beef. But why just the cow? Don't we look at all animals as living divine beings? So what's the difference between, you know, a chicken versus a cow or an oxen or, uh, you know, a tiger or whatever it is? So... The reason is cows have always been a source of dairy, and oxen helped plow lambs from the advent of the agricultural revolution. So why would you ever kill the very beings that are supporting Mm. you? You wouldn't undermine your own survival. And so how do you protect those elements? You create a custom around it to protect or preserve your needs. And that's how this idea of not eating beef because we've got to revere the cow came about so it's super interesting oh my gosh i just love how poetically she explains everything i could literally listen to her talk (laughs) for hours but i think after the call that we had with her and played we realized there's just so much we could dive into and we're obviously not going to get to all of it in one episode um so this is a recurring topic and i'm sure a lot of it will kind of intertwine with other topics that we cover as well um but we will try to unpack the ones that we do have as much as possible um but it was also really interesting because a lot of the responses that we got we weren't even aware of like we hadn't even heard about those Mm. rituals and traditions before so it just goes to show how diverse South Asia is and how within different groups of people within South Asia, there's certain rituals and traditions that others may not even be aware of. Yeah, for sure. And it's also interesting how you could be a part of the same culture and language, but have variations in traditions based on like your, your village or your family ancestry. Exactly. Right. Um, Like there's so much diversity. Yeah. Um, And just going back to our conversation with Lakshmi Akka, when, we're talking about these things when we're talking about the things that we love about our culture, something we put a lot of effort to do on our podcast is call people Anain Akka, uh, we're relevant. Mm. So I guess for the people who might not be aware, um, just as you'd call parent figures, auntie or uncle in Tamil culture, we call people who are kind of older sibling figures, um, as either Anna or Akka as a kind of sign of respect. Yeah, And I know other Indian Um, languages, I think pretty much all of them do that yeah, as well. Yeah. South Asian languages. Just using different labels. Yeah. Right? But for me, I love calling people Anna and Akka or getting called Anna myself because mm. I feel like, you know, as, especially for when you can get away with not using those labels, but you still do, it kind of brings us closer together yeah. and uh, reminds us that mm. we're bonded by this culture that you wouldn't have with just anyone. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's something cool that we've been able to bring to our podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so to start off, uh, we got a lot of messages about superstitions, yeah. which people don't fully understand. And we'll get to some of those in a little bit. But one of the big ones was the concept around evil eye. So mm. this is something that my mom is actually pretty big on. Yeah. Uh, even back in school, if I got good grades or achieve something, the thing that you do is get uh, dried chilies and salt. Yeah. And the ritual is to kind of, I guess, rotate it over my head. And then um, I'd have to spit into a hand and mm. I think traditionally you're meant to like burn. Yeah, you are all meant of to that, burn it. But she would just kind of throw it yeah. in the bin. And when I asked her why she'd do that, she'd say, you know, when, when good things happen and evil eyes cast on you. I, and I just assumed 
I knew what that meant. I didn't really mm. dig too much into it. But since we've got a couple of messages about it, I did some research and I've got a better explanation now. So mm. the concept of evil eye stems from this belief that when you achieve something or something good happens to you, um, when people kind of praise you for it, it's coming from a place of envy. And that envy then manifests into a curse, which can yeah. undo the... The, know, good the, the good thing happened. that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the thing that's interesting is that it exists in many different cultures. Mm. Um, you, you can find it in every corner of the world and every culture has like a slightly different way of remedying it. And mm. in our culture, there's certain things that you would use in the ritual that, that I mentioned before. Mm. Uh, or you decorate your house with these like ogre sort of figures to ward off yeah. that evil. Uh, I think recently people like Kim Kardashian and Bella Hadid have incorporated that evil eye symbol. Um, it's like that downward oh, the eye. palm yeah, yeah, with yeah. the eye on it into their fashion brands as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard this a lot as well growing up, the evil eye thing. Um, I've had the the chili thing done like multiple times. I've never really, like I've I've kind of, yeah, similar to you, it's sort of like, oh, it's that whole thing of, um, if someone compliments you, it's like that bit of jealousy mm. and then it's like that negative energy that gets put on you because of the way they're reacting to your success. Mm. It's not like coming from a genuine place of congratulating you or being happy for you, which like in and of itself is pretty sad because if that's the assumption you're going to make that, mm. you know, whenever someone compliments you that it's not going to be from a place of like genuine happiness for you, mm. then like that's really, yeah, That that's just pretty sad to start off with. Yeah. Um, maybe some people do have like, you know, maybe sometimes it does come from envy, but yeah, yeah, it's just interesting to think that that's the assumption that like afterwards you have to do this because, you know, surely one of these people who have congratulated you actually don't want you to be successful. Yeah. Like, that's just really sad. <laughs> it really is. But I guess for your peace of mind, um, 99% yeah. of the time when I praise you, Rami, uh, it's, it's coming from a genuine what place. What about the other 1%? I feel like there would be a bit of jealousy somewhere, you know? Like, Where? I don't know. You know, I'm not perfect. <laughs> yeah, but I hear this a lot. And then you, like, do, um, like you said, you can put things around the house for it, but then you also can wear things as well to help with the mm. the evil eye, just to, like, keep you protected from that. And I think a lot of, especially Hindu, South Asians could probably relate to having to do that sort of thing as well. Yeah. But, like, do you know what the chili's meant to do? Like, what's the significance of using, like, a red chili to do that? Does it, like, suck out all the evil eye? I think, yeah, I think that's the, okay. the assumption is, like, it takes all the negative energy mm. and then yeah, burning yeah. it after yeah. you've kind of watered I it off the, the burning, person. Yeah. It's kind of, like perished yeah what else do you have do you know what else um can do that off the top of my head like rock salt red chilies white pumpkin no i'm reading off a list (laughs) um old class or um like lemons coated Mm. with kumkuma so if you've been to my house yeah you would have noticed that there's this thing hanging at the front this Mm. like vegetable that's a white pumpkin so that's Mm. yeah so i feel like so your dad would have put that up right yeah but then if you moved out would Mm. you hang it over your house Probably not, but if my dad like strongly advised me to, I would probably do it just to please him, but like in a more aesthetic way because yeah. that thing looks like ugly. <laughs> so funnily enough, um, the one time my mom didn't do that um, that custom with me, 
uh, was when I got my peas. Yeah. Did I tell you the story? Yeah, I know the story. So, so I can g- tell our listeners. Yeah, I, I got my peas, and that night I went out to eat at Eljana, mm. and I got food poisoning. So mm. you know, the, the one I've never gotten food poisoning from Eljana before. The one time that I did was when my mom didn't do that. Um, the <laughs> oh my ritual. god. But who casted the evil eye on you that day? Like some other person who didn't get their license and maybe failed at the New South Wales service place? Who knows, Robbie? <laughs> who knows? Interesting. Um, so the another one that we actually got in terms of rituals and traditions is vasta, which actually comes from a Sanskrit word. And um, it's the science of directions. And it's sort of like how things should be architecturally designed to face certain directions. So like many listeners may have heard of this before and it's, you know, things like your house should be facing a certain direction. So like our house, my parents' house faced the east um, and my parents built that house and they specifically looked for land where the front door would face the east. It took so long to find that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's stuff like that. It's um, you're, you must be facing a certain direction when you sleep. Your kitchen has to be facing a certain direction. But it's also like the layout of your house once you're in the house as well. It's not just the direction that you're facing. Yeah. Um, so there's so many different ways, like maybe even people listening or maybe yourself saying that you've heard of this before. But um, I never really asked why. Like why does your house need to be facing the east? Um, but like... When I was doing some research online about it, there's like more like fluffy reasons like positive energy flowing through the house and like more positive relationships and wealth and health if your house faces a certain direction or if you follow these vast guidelines. But then it's also like very practical reasons, like more natural light in the house if Mm. your house faces the east. Um, And it's just like better airflow because, you know, if you face certain directions and it's also to do with like the magnets in the earth and like the way that you sleep and the Mm. direction that you face so there's just so much more to it which like I don't know how legit it is to be honest I think it's one of those things which was meant to be done for a specific reason but over time it's deviated and it's become more spiritual than it's intended to be or more superstitious than yeah. it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the superstition so bit is My where... understanding of it was mm. with the five elements, um, you know, earth, wind, fire, air, and space, mm. how can you build a house and live your life um, as close to perfect harmony with all of those elements, Yeah. right? Um, so to your point, certain elements are allocated or have a relationship with certain directions. Yeah. Um, so ideally, if you're aligned with those things, you're basically optimizing your home. Mm. Um, but at the same time, there could be some more, I guess like it would like feng shui be like the equivalent yeah, kind sort of. of thing where yeah. it's kind of just like yeah. better vibes, better yeah. flow. And like positive energy in positive your body energy, and things like that yeah. because of the, like the magnetic effects that yeah. I was talking about. Because yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like back in the day before electricity and stuff was common, people probably built their homes this way in order to make use of as much light as possible and like, you know, before air conditioning for as much air as possible. So there are very practical reasons to doing it. Mm. But what I don't understand is just, oh, it'll bring you bad luck if, you know, your house faces a certain direction or like, 
I saw certain things of, you know, if your house faces, um, I think the south, because I was doing like, I went into a rabbit hole of Googling this. It's like basically like the devil's side or something. And it's right. like inviting that into your home. Don't freak out if your house right. faces south. So Don't do you reckon worry. we should figure out which direction we should be facing when we I mean, there's well? directions to be facing when you're studying as well, because apparently that brings more... Like that that direction, I think it's also the east. And that direction brings more like positive energy into your body. Mm. Imagine like in your HSC or something. Everyone's facing, everyone's facing one direction and you're like, yeah. oh, miss, I need to face the east. Because <laughs> my dad Can I get special so. provisions? Yeah. <laughs> but had you heard a lot about the Vastas stuff growing up as well? Not really. Mm. Um, not in my home at least. Yeah. Um, the thing I do remember is Sheldon from Big Bang Theory saying yeah. that historically, the direction you were meant to sleep is with your head facing the door. So if uh, an intruder was oh, to come in, you'd yeah, be on yeah. alert faster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, faster wasn't something we spoke a lot about. Mm. Would you Would you think about it if you were to move out or like purchase it makes your own sense. home? Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, those are all things that I would have wanted, right? Like natural light, good airflow. Yeah. Um, but I guess I wouldn't have thought about it through the lens of Vastu, right? Mm. Like, it's not driven by the roots of the tradition. Um, I would have thought about it more from a practical side. Yeah, yeah. I think, like you said before, it just gets taken out of context a little bit yeah. over yeah. time. But then there's also things like when you're building a home, and this is something we could we could probably talk about in another episode probably, but like you do um, like a Bumi Puja. Yeah, let's say that for another episode because there's heaps yeah. of that. Right? Yeah, when you buy so a new car, things. there's a spot in the temple yeah. where you take your new yeah, car. To, just a car to, puja. Yeah. 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 And something we could also cover in a future episode as well are things like having auspicious days for mm. doing certain things. Um, like, yeah. Like good times. Yeah. And yeah. Day. Good times. Yeah. yeah. But, but also how that kind of ties in with the Hindu calendar mm-hmm. and astrology and things like that as yeah. well. Right. I think that'd be super yeah, interesting. I agree. Um, something that our listeners didn't message about, but I think would be worth talking about is a couple of posts from the Heritage Apply Co's Instagram um, on their Wisdom Wednesdays. Mm. Um, So the first post is about why we touch the feet of our elders and gurus when we seek their blessings. Yeah. Uh, There's three kind of main reasons that she outlined. The first two I was sort of already aware about, um, you know, showing respect for those who give us knowledge and how the act reduces our ego and mm. obviously there's a lot of humility in that as well. Um, but apparently the chemical release from that gesture is similar to that when you give someone a hug, uh, which is something that I didn't know. Oh. So yeah, and she, and she describes it as the blessings catalyzing um, a, a kind of flow of cosmic energies, uh, wow. which connects the the heart and the and the minds of the people who are involved in that. Mm. So, um, yeah, I thought that was that's that really, was really interesting. cool. I wonder if it's because culturally, I don't know if this is all South Asians, but we're not like big huggers, right? Mm. Like, I feel like people don't really hug each other as much as a first response in. Sri Lanka I thought that was more to do with like uh, crossing boundaries. Mm. Interesting. Well, I was just going to say maybe like this was another way to greet or like. But like uh, you wouldn't greet me this way, right? No. You'd no, greet that's your, true. So that's your like gurus a, yeah. or. This is more like people for older, older people that you respect. So it's not relevant. Yeah. I personally didn't. And I don't know if it's because I don't have a lot of family that I grew up with or like I didn't grow up with grandparents around. So I personally never really 
did that growing up. Yeah, it's not something that we did either. Um, at least not with my parents. Yeah. I'm going to flex a little bit. I did touch the feet and um, get the blessings of Yesudasta. I'm sorry, like the singer? Yeah. I don't um, know this story. Yeah, he was the chief guest at an Arangetrum and we were at the house of the family when he visited what? them. So uh, there's a photo of me and my brother. I'll need you to get up, um, touching his feet and, oh and getting gosh. his blessings. Wow. Uh, maybe like 15 years ago, so When you were like 11 or 12. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. But yeah, I wouldn't have any issues with doing it to someone if I was told to do it. Yeah. Um, but it's not something that comes naturally yeah. to me. Yeah, it's a nice thing to do. I'm just not as familiar with it as like many other people. And I don't know like... Yeah, like, because when we go to Sri Lanka, for example, like, people will, like, my younger cousins or, like, random kids will just, like, go and just touch my parents' feet. Like, it's such a common mm. practice. And, yeah, they're kind of like, get up, it's okay kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just not as common here. I, I guess because we're so far removed yeah. from it yeah. and it's not a common practice in Australia, it's, it's just something we're not used to doing. Yeah, yeah. But it is, yeah, I definitely see it as a nice thing to do. Um, another Wisdom Wednesday post from the Heritage Supply Co. page is about the Namaskaram mm. or, you know, putting your hands together to say Namaste. Yeah. Uh, which I guess many of us would kind of think of as like a greeting, right? But yeah. like with everything that we've spoken to so far, there's so much more depth than what we understand day to day. So from a spiritual perspective, it's a way of respecting and honoring the divinity in both yourself and the other person mm. um and also in yoga and Bharatanatyam, the pose is called anjali mudra mm. and uh, because you're pressing the tips of your fingers together which are pressure points um when they're pressed together in that way it brings a sense of like calmness over you as well yeah um and as a bonus it's covid safe so yeah <laughs> i was thinking that as well yeah i think um it's funny you you mentioned the yoga thing right because like i've been to some yoga classes here when I was, you know, at my gym. And um, I feel like the meaning of namaste has, like, been taken so out of context. And I feel like people just say it because it's, like, the only Indian word they know, you know? It's just completely, like, the the meanings behind it isn't explained. Mm. And it's just, like, this compulsory thing that you say at the end, almost being, like, it's almost like a see you later. Yeah. And it's like nothing, you know, it's just, there's so much beautiful meaning behind it that a lot of people don't even realize. Yeah. I mean, this is a whole bigger conversation, right? Like the way that yoga is taught and stuff like that. Mm. But the meanings behind things, I, th- I think, should be taught if you're going to be using that practice. And that yeah, goes with totally anything. agree. And that's something that even as South Asians as well, we can be a bit more mindful ourselves as well, right? Like mm. the things that we might water down in our own understanding yeah, as well. Yeah. But yeah, stuff like mm. the yoga thing is a can of worms for <laughs> another day. Exactly. Um, another thing that we got, yeah. and I think especially with, you know, Navaratri just finishing and like Diwali coming up is um, Kolam or Rangoli, which a lot of you may be familiar with, but it's basically the drawings that are done outside a person's home on the ground um, with powders. Mm. So it's ground rice flour or there's like specific Kolam flour that they also have and it can be colourful. Um, so I did some digging into that and uh, many of you may have seen this in like Indian movies, for example, where traditionally it was actually like an everyday thing. Mm. So people would wake up 
at like the crack of dawn, like wash the the surface outside their house and then draw a column on there. So it was like this daily practice that actually happened. And a lot of it, um, there's a lot of Hindu mythology that mentions Rangoli as well. So, cause I was trying to look into like, where did this idea even come from? Um, and then all these, it's also interesting cause all these patterns, they're kind of passed down from generation to generation. Mm. So it's like certain patterns that only you would know because like your grandma's taught you, for example, mm. which I had no idea about, right? Like you just think it, it just looks pretty, but it's well beyond just a decorative thing. Um, and columns apparently also use a lot of like geometry and mathematics. Mm. So it's like all the lines and the dots and everything you actually have to get on point so that it actually looks like symmetrical or it looks nice, like the, the way that it's meant to look. Yeah. Um, which is quite interesting as well. Yeah. So beyond the decorative side, um, with the research that you've done, what's the significance beyond that? Yeah. So... It's, there were a couple of different reasons, I guess, as to why people do it. But there's things like the, if you make it with rice flour or like an edible flour, it feeds ants, birds and small insects. Mm. So it's kind of like this idea of like feeding a thousand sort of thing. Mm. That's Um, crazy, hey? Yeah, which is why people do it. But then other articles said that it prevents insects from coming into your home. Mm. as well depending on the type of powder you use so it's not to like kill them or anything it's not a pesticide but like it's a way of preventing them from coming in and then like the more spiritual side of it is sort of like to invite certain gods or goddesses into your home or to like also ward off evil which kind of Mm. relates back to the evil i think i guess i guess you've got the I mean, to how, like, Lakshmiaka broke it down. Mm. You've got the cultural element with it being decorative, mm. the uh, scientific element with it replenishing the earth and, yeah. uh, you know, feeding insects, like you said, um, and then the spiritual element, which mm. you were just speaking about. Um, I was talking to my mum about it, and she was saying how even, like, the posture when you're bending over to make the column. Um, it helps to your back yeah. and like even the, the way you grind the flour with, uh, your thumb and your fingers, um, that's like a pressure point and there's therapeutic benefits mm. of doing that as well. Um, so yeah, I just think looking at it through those leads, uh, at least for me makes it really helpful to understand mm. the different layers. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just so crazy to think that there's all these things that serve so many different functions that, yeah. uh, people have understood for generations and generations yeah right without having the science and and technology that we have today yeah exactly that's the most wild thing to me and I've always thought about how yeah like people are able to identify these things before science like this stuff has been going on for like Mm. hundreds of thousands of years just crazy exactly uh flowing on from that we also got a fair few messages with regards to religious practices yeah but i think we'll dedicate an episode to some of the things later Mm. um but one thing i think we can cover in this episode is why we wear certain things on our forehead yeah yeah this one a couple of people submitted this in um so wearing a vibudi or basma kumkum or kungumum or the sandalwood so the yellow paste um so we'll we'll talk through each one, but essentially the vibudi or the basma is the white powder that you put in your face. And I don't know how many people know this, but it's actually made 
traditionally out of dried cow dung. It's meant to be ash. Um, no, so it's meant to be remnants of ashes, but, but then, then they w- make when it. When you can't do it, you yeah, do it with. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember when my dad first told my sister and I when we were little, and my sister was like, what? <laughs> this is a cow's shit? <laughs> what? <laughs> and she was like we've all had mind blown. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like um, you were saying, Sam, then, originally it was made of, um, remnants of ashes. So yogis used to pick up remnants of ashes and put them across their forehead. Um, so that's how it first started out. But the reason why we use it, apparently it's a really great medium to transfer or transmit energy. Um, mm. And then there's also this whole like, when, because it was originally um, the whole idea of taking it from ashes, from, you know, people's ashes essentially it's it's a reminder of the mortality of life um which is so interesting and also like different people so even within hinduism people who worship certain gods wear a vibhuti in in different ways as Mm. well or or even all three dots in in different ways um which also then kind of signifies who they really follow in that sense as well yeah it's really interesting so like the the pattern varies depending on yeah, which like kind which of god, god you, you follow the you, most um, sort of thing. Yeah, identify with most closely and yeah. things like that. Yeah. I was talking to Amama about it um, and this is something that I hadn't asked her before mm. and she was saying how because in um, Hindu culture we we cremate um, and believe in reincarnation. Yeah. Uh, to your point, wearing the ash is a reminder of the like fragility of our physical beings yeah um like our spirits live on through reincarnation but it's supposed to keep us humble and remind us of our uh mortality and things like that as well Mm. um and we also put it on our third eye or the sixth chakra chakra. which is kind of a gateway to our souls and higher higher thinking and and higher consciousness so uh wearing it draws more positive energy there and uh, you you might wear it on your neck Mm. or your ribcage area as well People put it on their arms and stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing is like it's also a pressure point, that point between your two eyebrows on your forehead. Mm. It's also a pressure point. So it also helps with that. But I don't know how many people press it hard enough to actually be able to get that benefit out of it because I feel like you almost just, you know, rub it on and Mm. that's it. Um, but that also is meant it's to... It's also why you that. wear bindi there, right? Yeah. Well, it speaking of, like, the kungumum or the kunkum, that's the red powder that you also would be familiar with. Mm. And that's actually, although it's red, it's actually made from turmeric mm. um, and lime, usually, and that causes that sort of red colour. Um, and apparently the kungumum is worn because it's... the Apparently, like, the forehead is the seat of Lord Brahma. Um, so it's believed to kind of ignite that, you know, that God within you sort of thing if you wear that. Um, and then it's also a symbol which many people would have heard of for married women to wear kungumum like sort of at the very top of their forehead in their part line where their hair mm. parts, um, which signifies it's almost like a, a way of indicating that they're off limits because they're married. Yeah. Um, and then similarly to what you were saying before, it also opens up the the third eye Um and then it's made with turmeric, which is obviously really good for you. Um, and that's really where, like, the sticker bindis have come from. Yeah. And when I was doing a lot of research on this, it it's was like... Not like, to wear plastic? Yeah, yeah, it was like, oh, it's such a shame that people are just wearing it for just, like, 
aesthetic purposes now. Oh, no. What I read was like wearing it as a plastic thing. It closes, closes it blocks your, the chakra. Yeah. 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 Third eye. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So it was like, oh, it's such a shame that people are doing it with plastic now and not actually sticking to the original um, powder. Mm. Um, and then the third thing is a sandalwood, yep. so the yellow paste. Um, but, yeah, it's a type of wood um, and it's super, like, the smell is really nice. There's, like, a lot of sandalwood candles and stuff mm. like that now as well. Um, and they actually retain their fragrance for decades, that type of wood, which is crazy. Um, but wearing sandalwood paste is actually a cooling mechanism for mm. the body. So it's actually a really good way of, of cooling down. Um, and then it's also said to improve concentration and then relieve insomnia and stress. Yeah. I mean, I wish I knew all these things growing up, right? Because yeah. I would have been so much more inclined to partake of them. Yeah. Do you feel like if you knew the, the deeper meanings behind why people wear them, Mm. that you would have wanted to wear them more growing up as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I don't know. I don't want to be just told to do something for the sake of it. Like, I need to know why I'm doing something. Mm. Um. So, yeah, this makes a lot more sense as to why we do these things, I think, yeah. when you actually break it down as to the reasons yeah. why. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, another story before I forget. Um, I went on a trip. I think it was New Zealand. And mm. uh, my mama gave me this, like, little packet of vibudi. Uh, which which kind of looked like a little baggie of white this, powder, like, white grey powder. Uh, and she was like, you know, if anyone in airport security asks you what it is, just say that it's like spiritual powder. Which to any non South Asian or like any any like Aussie typical Aussie person is just going to be like, this guy's a hippie. Yeah. This is definitely something funny. Um, yeah, I'm not going to do this. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, so you didn't do it? I think I. I I mean, I think I told her that I would do it, but I didn't do it. Uh, but like, the just imagine me, like how like panicked I would be trying to explain uh, to someone spirit, what I spiritual powder is. I low-key want to put some people in your bag next time you travel and <laughs> wow. just to mess with you. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, going back to your point around doing things without understanding the reason why, mm. um, I feel like another example of that is fasting or, you know, being vegetarian without understanding the real reasons behind why yeah. the religion tells us to do it. Yeah. I don't know. The way I always thought about it, I mean, growing up, I thought about it was like, it's a thing that you kind of sacrifice for God to return a favor to you. Mm. So you're like, I want to do well in my exams. So I'm going to be Mm-mm. vegetarian on this day. Yeah, I'm going like, to not I'm not, not well, eat. so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now I could see how it would help teach you discipline yeah. and how it's also something to help cleanse your body as yeah. well, right? Um, and even just like in Islam and Christianity, uh, fasting is seen as a way of bringing you closer to God as well. So mm. with it, yeah, it's like to our point with our friends, when we were talking about like, why are you yeah. vegetarian or why are you fasting on this day? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I, I just do know. it. Yeah. It's like, dude, there's so many like really great reasons why you are doing it. Just if you understood it, you could appreciate yeah, it so exactly. much more. Yeah. Because I think, um, those sort of more scientific reasons or the reasons that you just listed out aren't thought of as much. And it's like there's different days for different gods from like when I was doing my research. So you stay vegetarian on certain days to kind of worship certain gods. Um, but there's so much more to it, right? Like when I was doing my research, it's also like to control the amount of meat that someone actually needs in their mm. body as well because there's like really only a certain amount um and yeah like 
being vegetarian on certain days means that you you kind of have that cleanse, like you said. Um, and then apparently, like, the there's also the whole, like, the moon and the role mm. that the moon plays on your digestive system. And apparently on, like, new moon days, the digestive system's a little weak because of the moon's effect in the earth. So because of that, you have to be vegetarian on new moon days. Mm. Um, we're running out of time, but, like, I feel like each of the things we covered we could have done a separate episode for, right? But yeah. something that we'll save for, I mean, we could probably, yeah, again, do this as dedicated episodes, but um, different ceremonies in our mm. culture, um, which we've got a few messages about. So yeah. things like puberty ceremonies and how the relevance of that has changed over time mm. um, and the different stages and steps of weddings, uh, mm. right? I think there'll be something cool to look at as well. Yeah. Um, and even funerals yeah. would be pretty interesting. Um, so I think we can say that for future episodes. Also, I would like to dedicate an episode just for superstitions. Yeah. We got so many superstitions. Do I just call out a few of those now? Yeah. Yeah. So one common one, um, was not being able to cut your nails at night, Mm. um, which I'd heard quite a bit as well. Um, another one was you can't leave the house as soon as you sneeze an odd number of times, which is interesting. So if you like sneeze three times, it's like, don't leave yet. Like, I don't know how long you have to wait before you leave, but that's an interesting one. Um, We got one where it was like, you're told not to buy a house when the house number adds up to eight. But I thought it was the opposite because in Chinese culture, apparently eight is a lucky number. Yeah. I don't know what background the person was who submitted this. There was some sort of South Asian, but maybe in some South Asian cultures, it's it's an unlucky number. So that's a really interesting one as well. Mm. And then another one is not passing sharp objects Mm. to each other, like, by hand. Like, if you're passing someone a pair of scissors, you have to put it on the table and then they have to pick it up off the table. You can't hand pass it by hand. I think even things like what we said earlier about um, doing things on auspicious days, Mm. right, and the Hindu calendar and astrology would be uh, really interesting as well. Yeah. I agree. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely come back to this sort of format. Most definitely. Um, I don't know there's just so much to unpack and there's so much depth yeah. and we're just scratching the surface as well, right? Mm. Which is exciting, but also a bit overwhelming. Yeah. But like what I would say is to anyone listening, I'd highly encourage you, like if you're told to do something, just Google and kind of read a few articles. Yeah. And don't dismiss it straight it away. Is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even just like educate those around you and just kind of explain why you've been told to do these things because there's, yeah, there's so much info out there and even just Sendin and I researching found out so many things that we previously weren't aware of at all. Yeah, and I had a lot of fun researching about these things because yeah. you're like, man, our culture is so dumb and yeah. there's all these things that we do and see day to day that have, you know, so much behind them mm. that, um, you know, we don't always recognise. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for listening, guys. With Diwali coming up, we'll be dropping another mini episode next week to talk about the history and significance of the festival. And to have a little bit of fun, we'll be unpacking the Diwali episode from one of my favourite TV shows, The Office, as well. Exactly. And then after that, we will be releasing an interview with South Asian band Eastern Empire. We'll catch you then. Bye.